Welcome to the podcast of C3 Church with today's message. Praise God, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? Praise God. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. This is what I do. This is what I do. Give God a hand clap and praise. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We want to thank God for just waking us up this morning and allowing us to see yet another day. He clothed us in our right minds. That's a good thing. Praise God. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. We put a roof over our heads, food in our stomach, clothes on our back. So we ought to praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Created by God for God. I'm a BGFG, baby. Created by God for God. Praise God. I have t-shirts to say that. By God for God. Praise God. Hallelujah. You can have a seat. Thank you. Thank you. I love God. You don't love God? What's wrong with you? What? All right, now. We can make it raggedy up in here. Okay. Now. I'm excited. I'm excited. Just kidding around, and I think that we should have some fun. We should have some. You should have. You should laugh. You don't always have to come in looking like you're sucking on lemons. It's good. You know? So we want to be happy in the Lord. I'm happy in Him, and I know you are too. Your beautiful faces show me that God has blessed you tremendously. Come on. Praise God. Yeah. All right, now. So today, my sermon topic. Matter of fact, God gave me the sermon back in January. I already had it, Pastor. Come on. But then, I might have had it, but I had to go back. But anyway, so, so I had some stuff, but, and this is how it happened. You, you can have a sermon already prepared, but then life hits you. And things kept hitting me, and they kept coming and coming and coming, right? So I had to go in, and I started adding and adding and adding, take away, add, take away, add, take away, but we finally got it right here. Okay, the sermon uh, or with the word that I'm going to be talking about or preaching on today is the great masquerade, right? The great masquerade. And the great masquerade, and we see beware of the sheep, uh, beware of the wolf in sheep's clothing, okay? So, Max, what I want you to do, I want you to um, go to the next slide, please. I mean, who's oh, doing that? You, Tim? Oh, Tim. Go to the next Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Part of that masquerade... <laughs> Okay, part of that masquerade up here it says, it's time to stop hiding behind a mask. Okay, it's time to take off the mask. The world has been hiding behind a mask. The church has been hiding behind a mask. We as a people have been hiding behind a mask. And it's time to take those masks off, right? Okay, okay, this is deep here too. Uh, next one, please. And we're going to go to creation. First, God created all the animals. They were, cre they were all created with a special way to defend themselves. A snake, dog, lion, they all have a defense mechanism. But sheep are the only animals on earth that can't defend themselves. They are totally vulnerable. They are at the end of the food chain. They can't de defend themselves because they don't possess any fighting skills. We are totally dependent on Jesus. The Bible says that he gave his life for his sheep. Without the shepherd, we are truly lost. Amen. So we are counted as sheep, right? The sheep are those who are righteous, right? Right? Next. We're going to go to the history of the church. The history of the church since Jesus Christ is a great place to begin. American philosopher Sam Pascoe wrote, Christianity began in Palestine as a fellowship, which is a relationship, moved to Greece to be and became a philosophy, which is a way to think, moved to Rome and became an institution, which is a place to go, and then to Europe, which became a culture, a way of life. Finally, he settled in North America, where it became an enterprise, a wow. business. I'm going to show you something here. The Pharisees in Jesus' time was a picture of religion gone rotten, okay? It had become hollowed out and filled with man's ambition. It had been displaced with personal success, money, and reputation for the high priests. Jesus was totally offended and threw the money changers out of the temple for personal profiteering and challenged the piety and arrogance of the religious leaders, yes. okay? Now, this church that they talk about, the then church, 
is actually the now church. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. It's what's existing. It was, it's what exists right now. Right? Now. right? Yeah. The church. And I'm not saying all churches. I'm saying some churches. Right. But for me, some is too many. Okay, praise God. Some is too many. So what is happening, what is taking place here, when the church had a transformation, that transformation, it was transformed from a sheep to a Okay? And a sheep to a goat. But we're talking about wolf in sheep's clothing, and the wolf in sheep's clothing, and I'm going to be talking about the Judas goat, the wolf in, the Jeep, wolf in sheep's, sheep's clothing and the Judas goat, they both have the same purpose, and that's to lead the sheep to slaughter. Right. We're going to get in there, and I'm going to break down the Judas goat. I learned a lot about this. It's really good, right? So what we want to do before we do anything, because before we get into Scripture, because I have a lot of Scripture that I want to lay down on you, um, and you know what that means, lay down on you. I have a lot of Scripture that I would like to read to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what I want us to do, because we're going to be talking about sheep, goats, and shepherds, and, and, and everything like that, we want to, I want to, I want everybody to stand for this reading. We want to read from Psalms 23, if it's befitting. And yes, we want to do old school. We have to bring, see, we have to bring that old time religion back. We need it back. Praise God. Okay, and I want us to say it all in one accord. God, God, God downloaded that in my spirit that we needed to read from this because I was going to read another, uh, I was going to do another prayer, but it just popped in my spirit to do Psalms 23. Okay, let's do it all together collectively. Here we go. Let's read. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Have a seat. I like that. Sometimes we have to bring that old back in. See, back then, that old had that solid foundation, and our foundation has gotten shaky, and we need to fix it. Praise God. And he showed me that it starts, it starts with the church. There's a lot of fixing that we have to do. We talk about the net being mended. We have a lot of holes in our nets, and the thing about it with holes, I, uh, I was washing my sheet, and my sheet got stuck into the dryer in my washing machine. I don't know how they did that. Anyway, when I pulled it out, a bunch of holes popped in the sheet. Because I like that sheet so much, I'm like, shoot, I'm like, nobody's going to see the sheet anyway. So I, put the she- so I put the sheet back on the bed. So this thing I got to tell you, so I put that sheet back on the bed. What? And I noticed that those holes, they might have started out like that. But next thing you know, the holes enlarged. They became bigger. And I'm like, oh, man. I'm like, I went to turn, and my toe stuck through one of them. And I'm like, you know what? This don't make no sense. I'll break down and and get rid of the sheet, but them sheets cost a lot of money. I'm going to try to keep that sheet on the bed. So I kept it on a little longer, turned around again, my pinky toe stuck in another hole. So the holes are growing. So with the net, the holes that we have, in the church, they're growing. Uh-huh. We need to be in repair mode, and we need to fix them. They need to decrease so that they can completely be eliminated. Right, right, right. 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 But that's where it was. And, and eventually, I just got, I got tired of the sticking my holes and my, my toes and the holes in the sheet, so I gave it to the dogs, and they good. <laughs> All right. So now back to the history of the church now, and we're talking about the wolf in sheep's clothing. What I want you to do, and this is uh, turn to Matthew 7, 15. Matthew 7.
chapter 15. I mean, yeah, Matthew 7, right. Matthew chapter 7, and then I'll be reading from 15, right, through 27. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves, right? Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth, uh, bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. You shall know them. Not every one that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work inequity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat down upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Now, with this right here, Matthew, this Matthew 7 1527 is actually addressing the prophets. It's talking about, it's actually a word for false prophets. It's telling us when he says that he gave a warning, beware, beware is a warning. Beware of false prophets. We know the prophets, we said, where are the prophets? Where do we see prophets in the church? So if the prophets attached to the church, right? So you have the 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 wolf, you have a wolf in sheep's clothing. So you have the prophets inside the church, and what happens is, given this false doctrine and given these false teachings and all of this stuff, is leading to them being converted from a sheep to a wolf, or I want to say a sheep to a goat, because I want to talk about that goat thing, right? So this is what the church is looking like. This is what it does when you give false doctrine, when you're talking first word, when you're prophesizing things that are not true, the things that you know that'll never come to pass, and it's happening in the church, right? Right? It's happening in the church. So let's go to um, the next one, please, Kim. We're going to go to, okay, judgment of sheep and goats, because this is where I want to get to the goat, right? Because I said the wolf in sheep's clothing and the Judas goat, same purpose, same function, right? Different animals. Jesus Christ's judgment in Matthew 25 is a parable referencing sheep and goats. Referring to the sheep, Jesus said, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Yet to the goats, he said, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did it against me. Okay? You did it against me. So I want to go to, we're going to scripture again because we're going to do a lot of scriptures because this is what we are. The pastor, we're teaching church. We want to point to scripture and let you know that this word is true. It's coming straight from the word. So turn to Matthew 25, 31. Matthew 25, 31, 46. This is good here. And this here is going to show how he gave the uh, parable of us being sheep, us meaning the righteous, right? And it's going to point to and show you the sheep, and it's going to give you, it's like comparing contrast, it's comparing the sheep to the goat. And he does this separation, when he does that separation, he separates the sheep, put them on the right hand, and he separates the goat and put them on the left, right? The sheep of righteousness, right? If the sheep represent righteousness, the goat is represent unrighteousness, so we're talking about righteousness and wickedness, right? Yeah. So yeah. this is what this is doing. This yeah. scripture is actually Amen. doing a compare and contrast, and it's yeah. also going to give you some, show you characteristics of a sheep and characteristics of a goat. Praise yeah. God. 
God. Yep. But we're going to go into more of it to tell you more about characteristics of a sheep and goat, okay? All right, so let's look at, okay, starting at 31. It says, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon a throne, the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on the right hand, on his right hand, but the goats on the left hand. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye, blessed of my father, and heard the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was a hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in naked, and you clothed me sick, and you visited me, and was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous, remember I just said that, right? The righteous. We're still talking about the sheep. Right? He's talking about the sheep here. This is all the functions. This is what the sheep did, right, for the shepherd, right? Okay, so he says, Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when we, when saw we thee a hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw, when saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw, or when saw we thee sick? or in prison, and came unto thee. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, so we know the left, who's talking about? The, the goats, goat. right? Okay, he's talking to these goats, right? There's all this goatish behavior going on in Come the church. On. Come on now. We're looking like a sheep, but we're actually having, we're exhibiting goatish behavior. Come on now. Come on now. So anyway, so um, we got to stop this goatish behavior. Praise God. When I go into the, when I actually go into the characteristics of the goat, you'll see it because too many times we're walking around with this mask on, masquerading as a sheep, which is righteous, and we're actually exhibiting goatish behavior in the church. Praise God. See, we transformed. We had a transformation. Praise God. So anyway, let's get back to this word because it's kind of good because I don't want to go there just now. I feel the Holy Spirit kind of taking over right now. I got to calm it down. Praise God. Good God Almighty because this word was so good. Mm, mm. Mm -mm. My couch and my living room's furniture, they love this word. So anyway, so it says, depart from me. Ye, my husband, he, I've been there. He even turned down the television. He thought I was talking to somebody. Like, who are you talking to? I said, I'm preaching to the couch and to the furniture. You know, so anyway, so anyway, so depart from me. Ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was a hungered, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in naked, and you clothed me not sick and in prison, and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, Lord, he go like that. They always do. Lord, what do we do? Nothing. Lord, what do we do? Nothing. But anyway, so Lord, when we Lord, when do we see uh, thee a hungered or a thirst or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison or did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, hell, but the righteous into eternal, life eternal, heaven. Okay? So we see that right there, right? This is some good stuff. So now, let's go to the next one. I'm excited. Okay. You got it, Tim? Whoop. Tim. There you go. Okay. Now, here we go. We, we <laughs> now, the characteristics of the sheep. Jesus compared us with sheep. We often read about, uh, we often read about this, but we never stop to analyze the characteristics of a sheep. Sheep are the followers of Christ, while goats choose not to follow Christ. The parable found in Matthew 20, chapter 25 is based on the differences in the behavior between sheep and goats. Sheep are gentle, quiet, innocent animals. In the Bible, goats are sometimes used to symbolize evil. We need to possess the same characteristics as sheep, not goats, snakes, or lions. Sheep look like sheep. Praise God. So it already broke that, that, uh, that, that scripture down, right? Remember, I told you the characteristics of the sheep and the characteristics of the goat is right here. Prime example is sitting, sitting right here. Matter of fact, when you look at this particular scripture, uh, some of the characteristics of the sheep, it, it stu stood out to me. One is compassion. 
love, charity, right? Because if you're giving somebody drink, thirsty, he said, when I, when I was thirsty, right, this, right. that, and third, right? That was out of compassion. When you're giving, you're giving out of compassion, out of a love for one another, right? The goat did the opposite. He saw him sick, he saw him hungry, uh, uh, thirsty, whatever, and what they did, goats are selfish. They think it's all about me. They have that all about me mentality, right? They're goatish, right? You have a goatish behavior. You have a goatish, goatish mentality, right? Okay? Okay. So now, so now let's turn to the next one. It's going to be continued. Okay. Jesus said, my sheep, and this is so good, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. This is the most important characteristic of a sheep, listening to the voice of the Lord. We often hear God's voice, but we do not follow him. God is screaming in our ears, do this, go there, come here. However, we do not follow. Therefore, there is no use in simply hearing. Many people say they are waiting for God to speak to me, and God is already speaking. I hear that a lot. I'm waiting for God to speak. I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm waiting. What you waiting for? I'm waiting for the Lord. I'm waiting on him to speak. I haven't heard nothing, and life still going. Life is just going like this. Life going right on past them because they're waiting. Like you said, they're not doing anything. Like Pastor Tim said, they don't have that radioactive anointing. Praise God, because when you have a radioactive anointing, you're going to do something. You're explosive. You're ready to explode like I am right now. Right? Praise God. Mm, mm, mm. So anyway, and so, okay, to speak to me. Uh, God's already speaking. He is using this word, right? His spirit, pastors, leaders, brothers, and sisters in the faith. We must learn to listen in order to truly follow God. Amen. Had not I listened in 2008 in Washington, D.C., in 2007 in Washington, D.C., had not I listened to God, I wouldn't be before you today. Right? When God said, he said, drop everything and follow me, I said it before. I was working the DSS and D, uh, in the government as a supervisor, what have you, and I, I'm telling you, I heard the voice was strong, drop everything, follow me. Feed my sheep. That's what I heard him say. Feed my sheep. I didn't know what it was. didn't know what to Anyway, so I dropped everything. Gave him my resignation. Gave him one week. I happened to call North Carolina. I don't know nothing about North Carolina. Nobody here, no family, no nothing. Got on the phone. This lady said this. They didn't have a program or something for the elderly here or whatever. I said, well, I'm going to come down and start a bit. I don't know where that came. It just, that's God. It just came out the blue. Gave them my resignation. Of course, they were mad to cut off my insurance, but anyway, that's okay. Um, <laughs> I'll send them a thank you card. What happened? I said, anyway, so anyway, got down here, put that job, and follow, follow God. But sometimes when you hear that, right, don't think that everything you're going to be on uh, uh, Jesus Boulevard and happy, happy lane. That's, that's not going right. to happen, right. right? What happens is you run into some, um, some, some situations, yes, some, some trials. You run into some tribulations. And Amen. it's not about the tribulations because they even said, oh, you took a job. And, yeah, I was making 63 whatever thousand. They were getting ready to promote me to the um, section chief, making $80,000 a year, $89,000 a year. They said, we were getting ready to promote you. I mean, I said, well, God already promoted me. I'm come good. On, right? They were mad about that. They didn't yeah, understand yeah. that. So anyway, doing that. But then when I did that, all hell broke out. But that's okay because I was steadfast in it. I stayed and I continued to li listen. I said, I know God didn't bring me all the way to North Kakalaki for me to fail. That's right. Right? So, okay. And so my whole vision, my, my idea, my plan, my agenda was to start homes, uh, uh, open up uh, uh, facilities for the elderly and the, uh, and the, uh, and the uh, young, young mothers with children. Yeah. I was going to bring it together, do all of this stuff. That was my fancy plan. That didn't go through, I understand now, because of here, why I'm here now, right? And then God reshowed, of course, he showed me that anyway. Oh, he mantle my sheep. I had to do what God told me to do. Praise God. So we have to learn to listen. Too many times we're not listening. Sometimes we hear them and we go the other way. God say go right, we go left. I do. God say go right, we go left. And I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to go left. And then something happened over here, right? But that's how it is. So anyway, so now let's go to the next slide. Okay, here it is right here. I love this right here. Okay. The difference between sheep and goat, this is so good. Goats and sheep have a few things in common, and a willingness to follow is not one of those things. Goats <laughs> want to be in charge. Listen to this, y'all. We got a lot of goats in the pool. Anyway, goats want to be in charge, right? They're canny and hardy. 
they bully their way into leadership. They want the best for themselves, and they don't like sharing. You see that? They wouldn't even give them food. Remember, say, when I was, I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. Because they don't like, they don't do that, okay? That gold is good, goldish behavior, right? They don't like sharing. It is said they are capricious in nature, impulsive, unpredictable, devious, and contrary. Sheep are picky eaters. They do not eat junk food. Mm. Do you know what goats are referred to in rural areas? They are known as garbage collectors of the wilderness because they eat everything in front of them. My God. Everything seems to be appetizing to them. They eat cans, plastic, <laughs> anything. If they are not poking their heads through fences, going looking through, if they're not, if they're not poking their heads through fences, getting in everybody else's business. <laughs> Right, and everybody else business, <laughs> making trouble, and everybody, anyway, you know, seal up your fence, yeah, yeah. <laughs> making, they not poking their heads and, 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 and through somebody else's fences, they be, and then look at this, they may be standing on their hind legs, stretching for those tender leaves just out of reach, right, okay, those who, those, they are those who really not grounded in Christ, right, because I'm going back to the church, those who are not grounded in, in Christ, when we have those goats that are in the church, and they're falsifying doctrine, and they're, they're, and they know that they're tender, they're vulnerable, that's, they're good for the picking, they, they're exhibiting that goatish mentality, right, okay, wow. goats are never, con and this is it, goats are never content with what they have, wow. right, David was a goat, but I'm, we're going to talk about that, right? David, ex he wasn't a goat. He exhibited goatish behavior. Okay. Sheep eat grass, and the grass needs to be fresh and, food and, and, and of good quality. Sheep do not eat garbage or look for different types of food. Even when they come across something new, they don't try to see what it is because they don't know where it came from or who made it or if it will be bad for them, Good right? Gracious. Going out there searching for all that doctrine, you want to be a Budapest or a Hulabula, whatever, all these kind of things you want to be, you know, but you can't, you know, and we're not trying to do all that stuff. You're supposed to, anyway, go on. Next slide. Here we go right here. Praise God. I mean, I'm telling you, I love this, right? I mean, whoo, I was into that. And Pastor, I've been, again, y'all know I always go to the library, do my research. I love the library. Please go to the library. It's wonderful. You can get some peace and quiet and nobody's calling you, bugging you. Anyway, so this right here, you see this. This right here is called a Judas goat, right? This is a Judas goat. And what he does, he's leading the sheep to slaughter, right? Right? I'm going to show you something. Let's go to this Judas goat. This is good here. Go to, you see that goat, you don't even have to turn. Leave it right there, because I want you to keep looking at that Judas goat. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. and, he, and, and his position. See, 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 look at him. And, and, and look, see, the, the purpose of a shepherd is to lead the sheep. Sheep are used to being led, right? So they'll end up following anything because he's perpetrating himself as being a sheep. They're following. They they just got all in line to follow the goat, right? Here, a Judas goat is a trained goat used in general animal herding. The Judas goat is trained to hang out with a herd of sheep or cattle, leading them to slaughter, while its own life is spared in stockyard. While its own life is spared. Right? Selfish. Didn't I tell you that goatish? Well, it's own life is spirit. In stockyards, Judas goats are also used to lead other animals to specific pens and onto trucks. They have fallen out of use in recent times, but can still be found in various smaller slaughterhouses in some parts of the world. Cattle herders, here we go, listen to this. Cattle herders may use a Judas steer to serve the same purpose as a Judas goat. The technique and the term originated from cattle drives in the United States in the 1800s. The term is a reference to Judas Iscariot, an apostle of Jesus Christ who betrayed him. Now we're getting ready to get some more word. I want you to go to 1 John 13, 18. We're going to look at 1 John 13. Okay, and I'm going to be reading from 18 to 27. Like I said, we're going, we, we, we in this word, in this word. 
First John 13, first John chapter 13. I mean, John, I'm sorry, John chapter 13. Sorry, y'all. Sorry. John, I'm so excited. I'm trying to get this word. It was just so good last night and the other day and the day before and the day before. Anyway, so John chapter 13, 18 through 27 is where I'll be reading. Okay, we good? Okay. 18. I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen. This is Jesus talking because it's written in red in my Bible. Okay. I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me have lifted his heel against me. Now I tell you before it come that when it is come to pass, ye may believe that I am he. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one to another, doubting of whom he spake. Now, there was a leaning on Jesus' bosom, on one, of this, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. He then, lying on Jesus' breast, said unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is, it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the suck, the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Okay, something right here. This is my question when I saw that. After the sop, it says, after the sop, Satan had entered into Jesus. I mean, into Judas, I'm sorry. Satan had entered into Judas, right, after the sop. So my question was, after the sop, okay, so Satan wasn't in Judas at that time. So Satan betrayed Judas, okay, okay, he betrayed Judas after he, I mean, he betrayed Jesus after he ate the sop. Now, wait a minute, then wait, okay, why, okay, why Judas? There were 11 other disciples around the table. Why Judas? And what's this thing about Judas? I need to know some more background on Judas. Who was Judas? Why was Satan? Why did Satan enter into Judas? Why did Satan find it so easy to enter into Judas? These are my questions, right? So I want you to turn right here. Let's go to, we're going to do it right here. Let's go to um, 1 John. Matter of fact, 1 John 12, matter of fact. 1 John, okay, I mean, I keep saying 1 John, but John, I can show y'all. And I have it on my notes, too. John 12. Let's look at John 12. And I have the first John, so it don't, don't worry about that. So John 12, 1 through 6. Look at this. I'm going to show you something. This was, I'm like, good God, you're phenomenal. I mean, I, I've always heard this scripture, but I never got it. <laughs> I mean, I, I see it, but I didn't see it. So then Jesus, everybody have it? Chapter 12, then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There, there they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then said one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag, the money bag, because Judas carried the money bag. He was minister, and he carried the money bag. He actually, and in other words, he was treasurer over the money, yeah. right? Yeah. So he carried the money bag, right? And bear, and, and bear what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone, you heathen. No, but he didn't say that. But that's a, you old heathen? No, but he said... Let her alone. 
Against the day of my bearing hath she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me, you have not always. Now, now, I got it. I'm like, good God, I see it. Thank you, God. The reason Judas, because he was already in disobedience with God, yeah. right? Yeah. See, he was a thief, stealing from the ministry, right? He was already in sin. So when Satan entered into Judas, it was, it was easy. See, remember, Jesus wanted to, he said that, that someone would betray him and all this, and he needed a quick fix. Judas was the quick fix. He would have had to take some time to break down the other ones, but Judas, what? He had a door, the door was already open. And all Satan did was step on in, right? That's why Judas. I never understood that. I'm like, how in the world did he enter a disciple? They're sitting at the table. They would but that's because he was already in already, sin. Yes. So this is a prime example. This is one of the transformations. This is a prime example of a sheep transforming into a goat. A Judas goat in that, right? Because he led, what? Jesus is slaughtered. He was deaf, yep. right? Same purpose, right? We're talking about the Judas goat, yeah. right? The Judas goat, that's what he does. He leads the sheep to slaughter. The wolf and sheep clothing lead the sheep to slaughter. So his transformation, he transformed from a Judas, from a sheep to a Judas goat. Uh-huh. Wow. The church transformation from a sheep to a Judas goat. Right? We saw the gym, we saw the Judas goat. Matter of fact, another prime example of a transformation, and matter of fact, a masking. We want to say a masking. The mask of a sheep was um during the time of Jim Jones. That's right. That Jim Jones era, when he led the sheep to slaughter, I mean, thousands of people, hundreds of, th I mean, hundreds of thousands of people because he had the face of a sheep, but it was really a Judas goat, right? Right? right. Okay, so let's go to, um, let's look at this. Okay, that, that was good. I'm going to show you another transformation, right? Let's look at Saul's transformation. Okay, okay. Now, looking at Saul... Let's go to Act 9, right, Acts 9. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, this is good, too. Now, we, I'm going to read uh, 109, how I have it here, 9, 1 through 9, okay? Because we want to show you everything, and then when you look at it, you'll look at it from a different perspective, right? You'll see, you'll see it. It's nothing, you know, nothing changed. It's right there. It's in the word. It's right here. It was right here. Okay. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went into the high priest and desired, and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound into Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, right? And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, why art thou? He says, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what would thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told to thee what thou must do. And then, and the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there, and he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink, right? Now, I want you to hold it right there. Put a pen in your note right there. Let's go to Acts 7. Acts chapter 7, 58. Okay. Acts chapter 7, 58, you have it? Okay. And ca Okay, I'm going here. And cast him out of the city and stoned him, and the witness laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, 
lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, fell asleep. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at the time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. The devout men, men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Now, apparently, apparently unimpressed by the dying Stephen, Saul needed a more serious personal jolt to awaken his spiritual awareness. The light that blinded Saul prepared him to receive the true light that came into the world to despair the darkness of sin. This personal encounter changed, I said, Paul, this personal encounter changed Saul from a Judas goat to a dynamic preacher who was not ashamed to publicly claim the, the crucified man from Galilee as his Lord and Savior. Now, the, 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 the script has been flipped. Now, with Saul, Saul was transformed from a to a praise God. Y'all got it. Okay? He was transformed. And then I'm going to show you something that I saw in this word. Let's go back to um, uh, chapter 9. When it talks about here, let's look at 8. Uh, here, I mean, okay, 9, 9. And, okay, where it talks about Saul, and he was three days without sight, right. and neither did eat nor drink. I'm like, wow, wait a minute. And then later on, it's going to talk about, you know, because it leads into his transformation and when she became baptized and all that, and Ananias, you know, put his hand on his eye. But I'm going to show you something. It said that without sight, without food, without drink. When you're without food and you're without drink and you're without sight, you're fasting. I'm seeing Saul fasting. His eyes, now he's blind and can't see. See, sometimes, see, with sight, we can see all around us. See, we're looking at the outside. We can see everything. We're concentrating on the outside. But that blindness caused him to focus inwardly and not look out. His focusing inwardly, he's able to now mm, connect with God. He's able to look at himself. He's able to see all the mess that he's done. He's able to act. And that's why they say go in your prayer closet, in your prayer room, go in a dark place, you know, because of that connection. You know that he had the connection. Why? Because... God, because in chapter in, in, in 11, the, it says, and the Lord said unto him, arise and go uh, and go into the street, which called straight and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth and have seen in a vision. See, he said, and have seen in a vision a man named Ananias. How was he able to see in that vision? See, God connecting with Saul. The vision manifested within him because he's blind now. So he, now he's able to look on the inside and really connect with God on another level. Yeah. It's just him and God. So yeah. all is the, he can't see nothing around. It's just him and God, yeah. right? So God now manifesting him with visions. Yeah. Praise God. I saw, I'm like, wow. So that three days and three days, another thing happened in three days. Jesus was resurrected yeah. on the third day. Right? Praise God. I'm like, wow, God. You, I'm like, ooh. Lord. Chid, did you hear that? Three days he fasted. Praise God. And the chid said, I don't know what you're talking about. But, you know, this, this was so phenomenal, right? So now, let's go to, because I want to move. Now, we have another one. David's transformation. Okay? David's transformation. We're going to look at the transformation of David. So I was just trying to give you kind of some examples of the transformation of the sheep to the goat and the goat to the sheep. And let's look at 2 Samuel. Turn to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel 11. And we hear this, I mean, we, man, you know, we're so familiar. These are familiar scriptures. We, we Hear him read all the time, preached all the time. Okay, so 2 Samuel, 
And it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabah. But, but David tarried still at Jerusalem. David may say, what you talking about? David, you tarried, David. Why didn't you go into battle, David? Now, David, all the time, you always hear about David slewing his thousands of thousands, and he's always in battle. He's fighting everywhere. David's always out there on the line with his men. But for some reason, David tarried. We have to ask our question, why did David stay back? Right? He's a soldier. King. But he stayed back, right? And it came to pass in evening tide that David arose from off his, off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Ilium, Ilium, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? <laughs> and it's obvious, David said, so what? Because <laughs> it said, and David sent messengers and took her. And she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. And the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. My thing here, again, going back to David, that David had a transformation. David was transformed from a sheep. And not only a goat, but a Judas goat, because he portrayed Uriah, sent him out to be murdered, so that he could, what, mask his sin, right? The great masquerade, right? Right? Wow. The great masquerade, so that he can mask his sin. Now, David didn't stay back coincidentally. I'm looking at David. David had been waiting for an opportunity because he was a peeping Tom. And after he peeped, after he peeped on the goods, he wanted what he shouldn't have wanted. Right? So that wasn't his first time seeing Bathsheba take a bath. He was just laying in wait. When you tell well, your men say you're lying, you're prowling, he was just laying in wait. And he had to find an opportunity. That's why he tarried, because David would have never, that's like a, 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 a what do you call it, a captain with his crew on the ship. Right. Ain't no captain gonna go out without the crew. That's right. right? right. You gotta see your crew out there that's before right. the game. And that's then right. so David, so he was doing all that, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so he had that separation, right? And then this is the thing. This is the thing. I'm like, wow, they put it real sweet that he tarried. No, he stayed back. He knew what he was doing. <laughs> right? And then then when we look at, let's look at Sam, let's look at 11, 18 to 24. Because 11, 18 to 24, basically, we see here, I'm going to sum it up real fast, with um, 18 to 24 is Was it 1824? Did I get that wrong? One through five, and David sent Joab. Okay. Well, you can see here. Okay, that's what I was trying trying to see. I got my things mixed up. Yeah, it is 1824. Let's do 11 through 12. And Uriah said to David, Uriah. Okay, yeah, we can do that. 
So we're looking at 11 through, basically, I want to just kind of, with Uriah, I mean, not with Uriah, with, um, with um, Nathan. <laughs> oh, there it is over here. Okay, 18 through 24 talks about the conspiracy because now he's kind of, he had to call Joab and tell Joab the deal, you know, about what they had to do a plan. He had to put a plan in action, right, to help him cover his sin. Joab knew about his sin, so he had to put a plan in place to, to cover up his sin. So 18 through 24 is basically on conspiracy, right? Yeah. It talks about conspiracy. And then 12, Samuel 12, 1 through 6 is talking about the parable, parable of the ewe lamb. I love that parable. When, when, when Nathan, <laughs> he, that thing was funny to me. When Nathan told um, David, I tried to use that on some people too. That was real good. When Nathan told David, right, the story of a poor man and a rich man, how the rich man goes, you know, he said, well, I think the poor man had his flock and dressed it up and all that kind of stuff. And that, um, and the poor man went in and took his things, right, took all his garden, you know, he had dressed the garden, all that kind of stuff. And then the poor man went in and took, the, uh, the rich man went in and took the poor man's things, right? And so when we look at, um, so look at Jay, so you know that I, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but go to um, Samuel 12, 1 and 6. Here it is right here. So you can kind of see it. I want you to actually see it. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, one little wife. That's all he had, one little wife. One little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children. That's you and Uriah, they were friends, remember? They grew, he grew up with David, he was basically. And, and it did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was to come unto him. But took the poor man's lamb, took the poor man's wife, he's a lamb wife, took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was to, was to come to him. And David's, oh boy, this thing is so good. I'm telling you, I used that on somebody that did something. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. Just covering up. Let me, we're going to just cover. Look at all this covering, this masking for this man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord liveth. Here you go. He's going to get bold with it. As the Lord liveth, that, that man that have done this thing shall surely die. He getting all both shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold. Yeah, he getting bold fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. That thing, and then he, Nathan said, and Nathan said to David, <laughs> I bet that was one of them drip of the lips. The little, right? And Nathan said to David, Thou art that man. Oh. I know David wanted to faint. That thing right there, I fell out. I'm like, ooh, wait. Yeah, we getting good here. I see. And so Nathan said, Thou art that man. Thus said the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul, and I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and gave thee a house of Israel and of Judah. And if that to be, had to be little, had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. He had everything. everything. Goat had everything. Remember that characteristic of a goat? Selfish. One at all. Selfish. He exhibited goatish characteristics. Big time. Right? So here you see the transformation from a sheep to a goat, right? That's what takes place. And if it's taking place here, of course, it takes place here. Right? So we're going to go to the next one. Okay. And scriptures is done. 
Now, there, there were, and when I, and I looked up, um, I was, did some research, and there were 62 scriptural, scriptural references to wearing the mask, but there were 27 that I liked, but of course I couldn't go through all 27, so I had to just kind of pull out four of them uh, for the sake of time. So let's look at Proverbs 26, 24, 28, right? Whoever hates, whoever hates disguises himself with his lips and harbors deceit in his heart. When he speaks graciously, believe him not. But there are seven. I mean, there wasn't one. I'm like, good God. You know, people real raw. I mean, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred is covered with deception, his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly, the church. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it, and a stone will come back on him who starts it rolling. See? Mm, be careful about that digging. And lying tongues hates its victim, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Flapping your lips. You got to stop flapping, right? Stop all that flapping because it's not good. Flapping is gossiping, right? Yeah. Gossiping kills the church. It Amen. kills the church. It kills us. And one of the things that, um, that's found throughout all churches, you know, is gossiping, right? Backbiting, right? Not encouraging one another. Discourage. Jealous. I talked about jealousy, envy, strife. All this stuff still going on, even though we preach from the pulpit uh, about getting it together, mending the net, mending the net, mending the net. It has to stick somewhere. Somewhere it has to stick, and we have to begin applying it. Right. And where can we do it? We can start right here right at C3 right. in this church because it happens in this church, Jesus, as I said, right? Then Acts 20, 30, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things. Here it goes. To draw away the disciples after them. them distractions. Distractions. A lot of times, with, and I see Satan's attack. Now, some things Satan, some, and a lot of things not. Some things us, right? When I look at Judas, when I was talking about Judas, right, and, and when it says Satan came upon Judas, one thing about it, it says Satan came upon Judas, it let me know, too, that when Judas was separated from God, that was his own will. They didn't bring Satan up until right, later. Right. It never said Satan caused Judas to steal, right? So Judas was a, all acting out of free will at that particular time. Right. That was the difference in that sin. I was try, that's why I, when I look at it, kind of put, brought back to memory. That was the difference. Some things we do of our own will. Yeah. Satan not doing everything. He's not out there saying we, we give him too much credit because yeah, he's not doing do. all that, this, that, and the third. You know, He has this little stuff that he does, and when he do it, he does it on a large scale, not teeny stuff. Teeny stuff we do, we cause, and we have to stop. 2 Corinthians 11.3, but I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts, Michelle was talking about thoughts, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. When we got a lot of jibber-jabber, right, when we got all that going on, what happened? We're, we're focusing on the troubles, the distractions. And when we, focus that, when we focus that way, guess what? We just took our eyes off God That's because right. we could have had something for us, but we missed it. Sometimes it could be so small. It could be so small. But, but that small thing can be great, right? It can be a big thing. It can be so small, but we miss it because we're busy focusing on trying to put out fires, trying right. to do this and try to do all that yeah. stuff. And we get all distracted and, and all that kind of thing. And it takes us off of God because God has taken us to a phenomenal level. He has blessed C3 in a mighty way. Not only have he blessed, blessed C3, but he blessed us with pastors with a heart for God, apostles with a heart for God. And that's a blessing to have. That's a rarity. Because a lot of, a lot of, of, of pastors out there in, in the pulpits, they have that goatish mentality, like he said, where they're all about themselves, right? Their growth is stunted because they're all about themselves. Stunted growth. They look big, but guess what? They're really not. Not in the eyes of God. Stunted growth, right? So, um, and then you saw the other one, and the last one is, I, and no wonder, 
or even Satan, disguises himself as an angel of light. Right? He comes up in the church, right? Be careful that we're looking at the right light. There are two lights that are shining in this church, and I can tell you right now, there are two lights in this church. And we have to know the right light. We want to pull to the right light, gravitate to the right light. There's a light. And it's imbalanced. There's an imbalance with that light. And we have to make sure that we're pulling to the right light, to the right light. God's going to clean it up. The church, the nation, the country, the world needs an enema. It needs, it needs a spiritual enema. It needs to be cleansed. God is tired. I can see him sick and tired of this mess. Time and time, preaching and teaching, he sent prophet after prophet. I mean, real ones, I can say Right? You have saints that ain't. Right? We have too many saints that ain't. We have too much going on. And his word has come so severe that he wants me to push this out about again. We're talking about taking off these masks. We got to take these masks off. We have to repent. Come on now. We have to repent. The church needs to repent. It really does. We have to get it together because I always say we don't have all day. and God is not playing. The things that we see in this world are going to metastasize. It's not going to get better. It's going to continue to grow because we've been injected with an infection. And we have to get it to grow. And we have to stay in the right light. But if we're not able to discern what is the right light, we can, get in, we can be in mighty trouble. We'll be in trouble, right? That's why we need to know these teachings. We need to listen to this word. We, have to, we cannot deviate from what God says, right? I can come up here and I can make it exciting. I can make a little joke here or there. But his word don't change. We can add humor to it. We can do all of that stuff, right? We can do that. His word don't change. But if it's not correcting, if it's not changing lives, then we have a problem. And we have a problem right here in the church. A change that's supposed to take place within us. When we hear the word, we should automatically want to change. When we taught the word, we should automatically be on fire. We should automatically walk into a house of fire filled with the Holy Ghost. Fire baptized. We must change. And the only way that we can change is that we have to take action. We have to take action against the action. We say that we're soldiers, then we need to be soldiers. Act like soldiers, right? We need to learn this word. This word should penetrate. Matter of fact, matter of fact our, our, we should be pouring out nothing but Holy Spiritness. Radioactive anointing. That radioactive anointing. We should be pouring that out. But we're not gushing out the spirit. We're gushing out something other than the spirit of God. It has to be fixed. And it has to be fixed right now. Thank God for an opportunity to get it right. Thank, yeah, thank God for an yeah, opportunity yeah. to allow us to get it right. I thank God, Father God. Thank you so much, Father God, that you've entered into this house, Lord God. Thank you, Father God, for putting your hands of protection all around this place, Lord God. Father God, we love you so much, Lord God. Father God, he said if I had a thousand tongues, Lord God, we couldn't stop praising you enough. We couldn't stop worshiping you enough. We couldn't stop praising and worshiping. Thank Thanking you enough, Lord God. Father God, you've been superb, Lord God. Father God, you just you just took us in when we were messed up, jacked up, tore up. Father God, we thank 
you, Lord God. We thank you for the healings, Lord God. Father God, we know that phenomenal things are taking place right now, Lord God. We see healings in this church, Father God. I'm praying in the name of Jesus that you cast upon your spirit, Lord God, right now in this place, Father God. Father God, I see the light in here, Lord God, but we have to dispel the light that's not of you, Lord God. Father God, thank you so much, Father God. I love you so much, God. Father God, you've been good, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message encouraged you. If you would like to learn more about C3 Church, please visit us in person in Indian Trail, North Carolina at 5805 West Highway 74, Indian Trail, North Carolina, 28079, or on the web, c3churchnc.org, or on facebook.com forward slash c3indiantrailnc.org.